I'm Joseph, and my favorite hotel in Las Vegas is Vidara because it's a non-gambling, non-smoking resort. Hi, I'm Charles, and my favorite Las Vegas hotel is anything other than the Stratosphere because it's disgusting and too far away from everything. And this is Remake Shmemake. Today we're talking about Ocean's Eleven, the 1960 original version, starring the Rat Pack and a few others. <laughs> <laughs> so what did you think about this movie charles i'm i'm not a fan the remake only has to be just the slightest bit better for me to be going with the remake as my oh, favorite just the of way Higgins, the remake is like night and day <laughs> it's definitely period like it reflects the mentality of the time I think it might reflect everything bad about the mentality of the oh, time. Yeah. Even just the sexism in it, a little bit racism. Oh, there's plenty of racism. I mean, that houseboy is enough to be plenty of racism. <laughs> the giggling houseboy. <laughs> yes, Mr. Whatever. I, the, the basic plot is that these guys are all, they're in the, what is the name of their unit? The 82nd eight, Airborne. 82nd Airborne mm -hmm. during WW2 and they're all friends and they're gonna pull try to pull off this heist mm -hmm. gonna rob five casinos in Vegas talk about a contrived plot but also plot holes <laughs> how can you have that a contrived plot and plot holes well what I can say is that this movie never seems to really get going it doesn't really gain momentum it takes almost an hour 54 minutes to get to where they even start talking about the whole point of the movie so yep. the first 54 minutes is all these different guys from the 82nd getting assembled um and the the love problem with sinatra and angie dickinson the, the <laughs> separated husband and wife uh and just all these various and sundry things going on that need to happen to get the guys to this Greek's house. I assume he's Greek. Spiros, Asabos, yeah. Ace Boss. <laughs> and so then they finally start talking about this heist they're going to pull off. Then even when they're doing the heist, there is no momentum generated. There's, there's no real suspense going on. And then it's just a downer ending. <laughs> Such a downer ending. So it really just doesn't take you anywhere. It it doesn't build up any kind of. You don't really care. <laughs> well, okay. So I, I I've been I was reflecting upon this like right after I saw it for the first time, and it's it's kind of like a morality play. Basically, it's saying if you steal, karma will get you. Yo eleven, yo eleven. <laughs> well, they have Martin and yeah. Junior, Sammy Davis Junior <laughs> and Dean Martin both get numbers to do. They do. Um, Dean Martin's uh, playing the piano and singing with the band at the casino. Yeah. Sammy Davis Junior is at the. He's working at the fleet of garbage trucks there. <laughs> You know, it's nice to hear Sammy sing, even yeah. though he can't lip sync at all. Oh, the scatting part? I'm like, uh. <laughs> And it's one of those things where the song, 
I think he doesn't end with the song either. Like it, he's done singing and, he, and his, his voice is still going or something. Um, know. You know what really bothered me about the whole movie? So much smoking, every scene. Somebody was lighting up and more than one person. Yeah, everybody smokes. There's, all, there, there's tons of smoking and there's tons of misogyny. Imagine how stinky the set was because of that. So yeah, I don't think there isn't a main character in this that isn't smoking at some point. Right. And all the women are, are just smoking away. Apparently, you know, there's that scene where um, Danny uh, dumps Adele. Apparently, the throwing the ashtray was an ad lib <laughs> when she threw it at the painting. And that's why it caught Frank's genuine surprise. It's a good throw. Yeah, she ruined the painting though. <laughs> <laughs> Adele is kind of a what do you call she's a plot point she's definitely um she she does put some things in motion yeah yeah and how she's close to Jimmy's mom <laughs> yeah that was convenient I don't know how I mean she's basically a hooker right so I don't know I like it when she calls Angie Dickinson to tell her that Danny gave her his room key or whatever and yeah Oh, okay. So she calls B, B, played by Angie Dickinson. And B's like, I was taught that creatures like you always rattled before they struck. No, malicious. I'm not disturbed. <laughs> Call me anytime. Love to have you waste your money. <laughs> malicious. That's like Maleficent. <laughs> uh. You actually typed those words out. <laughs> I did. I transcribed that part because I like it. Well, the dialogue is so stilted anyway. It's, you oh know, it's kind of like that dialogue that nobody ever says these things. But the, it, I mean, it's kind of sad about um, Tony Bergdorf that he gets that diagnosis from his doctor. But <laughs> the, the, the uh, timeless line is uttered, give it to me straight, doc. <laughs> And he calls cancer the big casino. <laughs> He's like, is it the big casino? I'm is like, it the big casino? I had to pause and go, wait. I missed that. Yeah. He oh called it big casino. Goodness. But yeah, it's all, it's full of dialogue like that. It, it's just so, it's kind of creaky, the whole plot and the dialogue and it's like, what year is this supposed to be? I don't know if 1960 necessarily had to be like that. No, because, okay, <laughs> just a few episodes back, Psycho was 1960. Yeah, they didn't talk like that in Psycho. Apparently, um, because the Rat Pack, they were actually performing in Vegas when they were filming this movie. Mm. So they would do a couple of Vegas shows, you know, in the evening and then get into costume and makeup and film all night. Oh, jeez. And then, and then go to bed and then wake up in the afternoon and get ready for their next show that night and then do the same thing. Oh, God. Vegas just looks so tacky in this is what I was trying to say. Yeah, um, it looks like Reno. It, it just looks like the schlockiest... I mean, is that... I guess that's what it really looked like. They really filmed it there, right? Those yeah. were the real... The real hotels. So. It looked like a strip mall. 
so the only character that has any kind of a decent arc is the guy that dies, Tony Bergdorf. You, you see his estranged wife talking to her about where he is. He's in yeah. San Quentin. You see him visiting his kid at the military school. The kid gives him the abacus. He made him a Japanese abacus. And then you see that he's, you know, got the cancer diagnosis. And then he just dies right in the middle of the, of the job on the street. And so, you know, that, that's, he's kind of the only interesting character in the whole thing. Yeah, so all the other characters, you really just don't, I, I really couldn't bring myself to give much of a crap about um, Sinatra and Dickinson. I mean, for a movie called Ocean's Eleven, I don't know, I didn't think it was enough about Danny Ocean, really. So, I mean, he, considering this was actually filmed, I mean, I'm sure some of it was filmed in a studio because looking at IMDb, there were actually listings, so studio, sound stages. But I would think that all those casinos were the casinos. Sometimes the, like the crap tables and stuff didn't necessarily look like they were in a casino or just the set, you know? It, yeah, like how cheap the back rooms were. I mean, I'm like... And when they had those stages and stuff with the people performing, I don't know if that was soundstage or if that was casino. Well, and, and like, oh, that's exactly where the electrical box is. <laughs> I'm sure the casinos were not going to reveal that. <laughs> this is how you rig it so that we'd have... Well, a- that was the thing for me, is that that whole heist was so easy. They had it all figured out, and it all went really smoothly. The only problem was that guy died. That's it. But otherwise... All they did was, they basically went through it twice. He went in there to all the electrical box rooms first as like to rig them. Yeah. Then he went in there again to set them for the, for the actual moment. Yeah. It really wasn't very suspenseful or, or uh, I was not on the edge of my seat, put it that way. So let's start with the opening credits, the light bright credits, <laughs> as I call it. Um, this is a Saul Bass sequence, of course. Yes, and, totally. Uh, yeah. It, it's, yeah, it's a very elaborate sequence. And, uh, Animated. Yeah, and they have like the, the uh, slot machine with the, with the different fruits coming up. And <laughs> you have three matches, but then the fourth one is like the, the credited name. And yeah. yeah, I mean, it's very elaborate. It's probably better than the movie. He definitely added one of the only entertaining things to this movie. Oops, did I just say that out loud? Okay. So um, we open in Christmas in Beverly Hills. Drucker's hairdressers, two men, <laughs> not four men. <laughs> Danny Ocean, Frank Sinatra, and Jimmy Foster, Peter Lawford, keep messing with this Greek guy, Spiros Acebos. They just keep making these prank calls to him so he was the whole mastermind of the deal right and for some reason these guys just keep messing with him and calling him or, or they won't pick up his calls or or whatever so that, they would put like that fabric over the phone and change the voice and so that's like a whole unnecessary sort of thing that goes on too long and uh, <laughs> and more than once so joey bishop who is uh, mushy is his name mm. and ocean 
and Foster are all, they're already signed on. They're yeah. trying to get Sam Harmon into it, who is um, Dean Martin. Right. Uh, so also Henry Silva makes an appearance. He's Robert Corneal. He's one of the, mm -hmm. one of the guys. He's looking for Tony Bergdorf mm -hmm. and is talking to his wife. Well, we're split up, she says. Uh, Tony Bergdorf is the electrician but he's yes. doing time in jail, but they find out that he's getting out. Uh, Martin just sort of by chance runs into Curly Steffens, who of course gets the name because he's balding. And there's this other guy, Vince. Vince is all upset because uh, his wife is a burlesque, burlesque dancer yeah. and he gets upset when the guys are whistling at her, which you can't have it both ways. Yes. <laughs> so he starts beating up guys. So he's fired anyway. Yeah. So, so he's in, so kind of by default. I mean, okay, so like with his situation, and as we talked about with um, Tony's, you know, it's like it's their desperation for something that... Yeah, Tony wasn't going to do it because as he said, he's hard luck. I'm hard luck for everybody. But when he gets the diagnosis from the doctor, I mean, I got to get a college fund for my kid. Yeah. So at least he has noble intentions for you know, yeah. robbing, <laughs> robbing five casinos. <laughs> and they kept saying millions. I'm like, millions in five duffel bags, really? <laughs> we're, we're starting to get the guys assembled. Yeah. Um, and then we kind of have this plot point of the, the separation between Danny and his wife, B, played by Angie Dickinson. Yeah. Uh, and this is some more a great dialogue. <laughs> Sam and Danny are best friends and Sam's over at Danny's house doing a little piano and song and um, <laughs> Danny's wife come to, comes to see him because no he calls for her yeah yeah and he says he's sick or something right isn't that yeah. to get her yeah. to get her over there yeah Sam is asking uh, B you know what what happened to your marriage B <laughs> she's like it drowned in champagne I didn't. I, I knew you were both on cloud nine, but I didn't know it got boring up there. No, I just woke up one morning and realized there was nothing underneath us but thin air. Got off, got off at the next mountain, walked down and got a job. I want a life that doesn't depend on the color of a car to the length of a horse's nose. <laughs> So they have like this scene up in the, because she's leaving, but she runs into Danny in the private elevator. It's like a penthouse thing with a private elevator. I know. That was when like there were elevator people, you know, like the elevator yeah. operators. Right, an operator. So they're like, <laughs> I, she wants to go down, he wants to go up, whatever. So they end up in the, the sky lounge. And, yeah. And she basically says, no, I, I, I can't do this. There's only one thing you love, Danny. Danger. <laughs> she, he's heading down, but she won't go with him. So she stays up there and he heads down to the bar. Cue violins. <laughs> <laughs> well, the next major scene is Foster um, calling his mom. Because he needs money. So he's going to mommy for money because he was born a rich boy. Yes. And that's when the story unfolds that. Well, we have Mr. Santos, Duke Santos, who's <laughs> Cesar Romero, who is mom's latest paramour. I think she's been married four times already or something. Mm -hmm. 
So Jimmy didn't even know about uh, Duke, did he? So he's a oh. bit put out. So the reason that he's going to our picnic, as he calls the heist, is because he's kind of tired of being smothered by mom and having to ask her for money. I mean, there's more stupid phone calls. Like uh, <laughs> Danny calls Spiros and does this Irish accent as Lieutenant Brannigan saying that all the fellows are dead and they're at the morgue. So he's just, oh my God. So he's all upset. This is when uh, Adele shows up. Yes. Because she saw B in the building. Now, <laughs> Adele is clearly a woman of ill repute, uh -huh. but she seems to be uh, expecting something out of Danny. I don't know why. I, I guess she wants, a, she wants a run of the play contract. I don't know. She wants more from Danny than he's willing to give. So he kind of sets her straight. He's like, I picked you up at the Biltmore bar because I thought you were attractive and I had nothing better to do. Nobody made you any promises. So what is this act? Not outraged virtue. Oh, ouch. So she says, one of these days I'll break your back. I swear it. And that's where the ashtray goes flying through the air. <laughs> I don't know what Adele was. What I don't. What I don't. What was she expecting? I don't know. Oh, I just wrote here. Oh God, the giggling houseboy. <laughs> <laughs> this is when I mean, Spiros is going to head down to the morgue, you know. But oh, yeah. uh, he gets into a cab, and the boys are all sitting there. It's like, oh, okay. So yeah, this is where it, Jimmy meets Duke. You know, we, uh, he's like, you wouldn't mind if I did call you Dad. <laughs> And Cesar Romero says something about uh, the, the size of the diamond, which um, Jimmy accuses him of buying a zircon because it's so uh, big. He says, well, your mother has wonderful taste. Uh, Jimmy says, does she? Very pointed. So anyway, they kind of agree to dislike each other and um, like a genial agreement to not like each other. And um, but he's alluded to the fact that he has stomach trouble, so Lawford um goads him into drinking, uh, like having a straight drink, so he has to run to the bathroom. <laughs> Mom comes down from upstairs, assures um Jimmy that this time it's different because Duke's the only one who needs me. This time I'm staying, I'm staying for good. <laughs> I'll be back. Maybe this time I'll be lucky. We're doing a medley. Oh my God, a mashup of this time. <laughs> so finally, we get the meeting with the boys. This is at Spiro's house. So this is yeah. what they're all talking about, what they're going to do with the money. Sam says, uh, I'm going to repeal the 14th and 20th Amendment, take the vote away from the women and make slaves out of them. Somebody says, will it cost much? No, we'll have the price controls. No inflation on slaves. Oh, <laughs> oh somebody says they're going to be the uh, commissioner of Indian affairs. That's a great way to steal money. Yeah, you know, you guys are assholes. Okay. Um, <laughs> Why well, isn't, isn't Dan, didn't Danny say something like he would buy the Miss Universe pageant? So he can just talk to the girls. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I guess that's the least objectionable of all the, <laughs> I mean, if he just wants to talk to him. And so, yeah, this is where the, the drunk cowboy shows up, Lewis Jackson. 
with a with an arm cast. Yeah, and I don't know what that was all about. I don't think he's even really drunk, is he? And no, I guess because a cop helped him find the right place. The right. cop does, cop is all like, "Well, oh, Mister Acebos, we found this guy. <laughs> you know, he's looking for your place. We wanted to make sure he got here." And, oh, whatever. And then we, what do we find out about the cast? It's fake. I mean, but you know, like you would think that he would be like, "Oh." He's the master of disguise, you know. It's a setup for like, oh, maybe, maybe he'll be in disguises in, in in when they're in Las Vegas. Nope. Yeah, it's unclear what that was all about or what his specialty is. I'm not sure what he's even. Maybe his role got cut down. Maybe Sinatra felt upstaged. But yeah, there that was kind of like a completely squandered um, opportunity. Uh, so the whole point of this thing now they were all together. Norman Fell, this is where he first shows up. Oh. He's one of the guys. I don't remember his name. <laughs> Mr. Roper. <laughs> so, yep, that's what he'll always be. Oh, Stanley. This is the first time I've ever seen this many men together in a room. <laughs> so the whole thing is they're going to. Well, he whips out a map. Um, yeah, that's, yeah, it just has pictures of five hotels on it. And the, the electric wire, the, the electrical towers. towers. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, Sahara, Riviera, Desert Inn, Sands, Flamingo. On New Year's Eve. New Year's Eve. Yeah. They're yeah. going to rig it so that all they're going to. So, it's a minute and 38 seconds after the stroke of midnight. That's how long it takes to sing Old Lang Syne. They're going to kill the lights in the whole town. <laughs> yes, but the auxiliary motors in each of the casinos will come on in 20 seconds. That's why Mr. Electrician had to go in and rig it so that they would not turn on in 20 seconds. Because, say this with me in unison, what? they're going to cross the wires of the lights and the doors of the cashier cages. So instead of the lights going on, the doors, the doors of, of the, the cages, cages would, would click open. open. <laughs> So what's Josh's? Josh is uh, Sammy Davis Jr. Yeah. Oh, we skipped his whole number. EO 11. I could never skip an opportunity to sing that. Um, <laughs> but he's the one that's going to handle them getting out of town with the loot slash dough. Because he's the only one that drives. <laughs> <laughs> so, and the reason that Spiros isn't doing anything about this is because of his criminal criminal record in arm long, which is what I already said. Now, here's where Sam is like, no, boys, let's forget the whole thing. You haven't got a plan. You got a pipe load. Uh, yeah, he was he like, thinks not they're, they're, it. He thinks they're too old. Spiros calls him a traitor, and he nearly uh, gets roughed up for that. But nobody agrees with Sam. They all want to go ahead with Danny. So he's like, well, if I can't talk you out of it, all right, I'm in. I'm not going to let you boobs do it without your best man. So, okay, well, what was the point of that? <laughs> so now we're like an hour in. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> I, you know, like, even though I, you know, like, according to IMDb and like other things, you know, they filmed a lot of this in Vegas, but I don't think the sound stages were in Vegas. I think those were just, you know, where the studios are. But uh, one hour, one minute, and about 55 seconds, you finally see Las Vegas. Yeah. The half half of the movie was the setup. <laughs> yep. Mm -hmm. 
So first one is the Flamingo. And so with each one of these hotels, uh, you see Josh driving the garbage can in there. Yeah. Through the, you know, through the gate. Corneal is dressed like a waiter. Uh, Josh gives him the infrared paint. Yeah. Which uh, he doesn't really understand how it works because he has to be told that he has to have dark glasses on and then use a flashlight. Or it has to be dark, you know, and then use a flashlight. So while he's spraying the doorknobs, which we'll find out why later. Um, <laughs> In a very stylistic way. <laughs> yes. Tony is getting into the circuit room during a dance rehearsal there. So there's, you know, there was all kind of like, this happens at each hotel. It's like yeah. the guys, you know, Joey Bishop or, or Norman Fell or somebody dressed like a waiter or a, who are the guys that hold the little... Uh, yeah, what were those? Like the clamshell things. Yeah, the metal clamshell. And they're in Is that for ash? Is that like to collect or, ash? Or maybe it's chips or I don't know. I don't really know what their job is, but they will kind of like keep a lookout and usher. Um, it's like a paella pan. <laughs> they kind of they usher um, Tony into the, into the electrical room, you know, where he can do his whatever he's doing in there. Uh, and so in every one, they've got him doing that, skulking around, getting in there, and somebody spraying the doorknobs. Yes. <laughs> so, you know, we go through all, each one. We finally end up at the the, the the Sahara, where this is where Sam is doing his Ain't That a Kick in the Head number yeah. with a with some ladies with there. Uh, yeah. Ladies are winking at him while he's... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> This one, they actually need a key. So uh, Josh has made a key for Tony to use to get into the uh, electrical room. So he's in there and the cops come right after he gets through the door, but he hides and all they're doing is checking to see if the door is locked. So, you know, these cops are, you know, they have a pretty easy job. They're not really too worried about anything. So we've done that with each hotel. So now the boys are bowling. Yeah, you know what else they're going to score do? tonight. <laughs> uh, so now they're they're bowling and they're kind of talking about the same stuff they were talking about earlier. Uh, they're gonna everybody checks in says their hotels are set and yeah, they're but they're trying to figure out how long of a and you know they were calculating seventy five minutes for the whole thing for the whole thing. Yeah. And so Tony's going to rig all the wires. Now, here's where Adele shows up. Yeah, because it's a New Year's Eve crowd already. Yeah, and she's coming out of a crowd on their way, with a crowd on their way to the Sands. Yeah. And she says, I think, I, she sees um, Jimmy and says, yeah. I think I recognize someone from the profession. Her date says, yours or his. So, you know, a, more evidence that perhaps she's a working girl. Um, a woman of the night. <laughs> She sees uh, um, Danny over at the sands and gives him a big old, well, well, well. <laughs> he like so, puts the key in her cleavage. Well, he, he whispers in her ear or something. Yeah, and, yeah sticks the room, the room key in there. And of course she promptly calls B, who's just not, not gonna go for it. And that's the last we see of B. We never see her again. Yeah. But yeah, that's a wrap. That's a wrap, Angie. Thanks for coming. <laughs> Ange. <laughs> Ange. And now here we are at the night. So we see Josh up on the electrical tower setting a bomb for 
a minute 38, right? Yeah. And uh, this is where Adele kind of spills the beans to mom and, and, uh, and Duke. Yeah. And who uh, are mom's... sitting at the booth next to the, the, that side door into the electrical box. Yeah. There's kind of like that, uh, basically a swinging panel with the same uh, wallpaper on it or something that, that uh, Tony's supposed to, supposed to slip through. Well, and this is all happening. He's skulking in through there, like with this conversation going on at the table right next to him. Uh, so mom thought that uh, Jimmy was in Squaw Valley. So, and Adele's like, no, he's here with Danny. So, uh, hmm, things are a little suspicious. Hmm. Now, over at the Sands, because this was the Flamingo, that first scene. Yeah. Over at the Sands, there's a very, uh, this security guard seems to be a little more obtrusive than he should be. Uh, but Danny does a little thing, gets some chips. Rolls uh, one. <laughs> rolls one under a chair. So the, I thought he was going to like clock the, the guard or something. But all he does is bend over so that way they can get Tony through the kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> onto the Desert Inn. Tony's up on the ladder again. <laughs> Riviera um, I don't know Stefan comes by and is yelling something at Tony through the electrical room window I don't know what that was about remember that hardly yeah so Riviera <laughs> whatever I don't know <laughs> Sahara D, uh, Sam's back to singing with the combo again Mushy's waiting the tables uh, and uh, Tony's using his key that Josh made again. This is all happening again, just like it did. We just, <laughs> we're just on the night. And uh, it's a honk. A uh, honk scares him. He's getting through there, but it's just a drunk Shirley MacLaine cameo. <laughs> Which I guess they offered her a free car as payment for a cameo. Or maybe she got to keep the dress. <laughs> so um, that's a big old, like, uh, kind of stops the plot dead in its tracks <laughs> <laughs> she got to kiss like, dean though <laughs> yeah she's like oh give me a kiss it's like, uh, and she wants to go uh, go to his room but uh, no uh, give to the brush off and yeah we're down to 20 seconds to midnight wow i can't believe we're here already because we've skipped so much <laughs> Otherwise, our three listeners would be asleep by now. Well, some of them want to use this for falling asleep, but for those that you don't... You know who you are. Yes, you do. <laughs> so it's kind of an interesting thing. This could have so much more suspense than it does. I don't know why it doesn't. It's just like, okay. So they're counting that... But it's kind of the most interesting thing in the whole movie is that they're counting down... Uh, to midnight and so they cut to each hotel yeah with the balloon yeah. wipe I, I i mentioned that because like, <laughs> yeah, there's a balloon that goes like yeah. between each one yeah, it's, it's a balloon wipe which is like the worst <laughs> term for it but that's what it is it's a wipe it's a balloon wipe i never i never uh even put that together but that's exactly what it is <laughs> oh one thing i put was because they go right into the song um, after they do the countdown, just like the boys said they would. And I said, I wonder if they got this idea. Of, uh, for, for, I, I wonder if they took the idea for this uh, for the Poseidon adventure. 
<laughs> well, I know they got the electrical tower from Godzilla because of the Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, right on cue, a really bad model of a tower blows. <laughs> falls over. I mean, it was even like the little flashes down at the bottom of it, like poof, poof, poof. poof. <laughs> and then like a painting of, of the Las Vegas Hills. <laughs> this little, yeah, I mean, it, it would be perfect if a Godzilla foot came down on the, on the thing. Yeah, so everybody's plunged into darkness. Uh, everybody's got their open flames in a public place. <laughs> to the people illuminate. kissing. Yeah, and they're kissing the wrong people, but they don't care. <laughs> um, and what happens when all the lights go out? Let's do it again. The, the doors, doors to the, the cages, cages all click open. open. <laughs> and so, so they go into the cashier cages and they subdue the cashiers. Um, I, I, I'm a little mystified here. Did they have guns on them? Did they... Oh, just a flashlight. They were blinded. Oh, okay. And they make them sing Auld Lang Syne while they yeah. grab the money. I, I don't know why, but these guys are slow as molasses in January. I mean, <laughs> is it, I can't remember which one like is like takes the flash and I was just kind of like surveying the money in there for the longest time. Dean Martin is just like, da -da, da -da, da -da, put the money in the bag, la 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 la. Should be trying to go a little faster. Yeah, the only one who seems uh, kind of urgent about it is Tony, but uh, well, something's <laughs> wrong with Tony. Tony's not feeling well. Time is not on his side. No, it is not. And so this is where we see that the footprints on the floor are illuminated with the infrared. And oh, oh well, and all the uh, doors to the cashier cages, like all the knobs, were in illuminated with infrared. So they have just enough time to get all the money into the garbage cans yeah. before the lights are back on. Right away, we have the reports from the cashiers. We've been hit. Yeah, and they call the sheriff's office. Right, and uh, Santos overhears all this. So they're sending out APBs, you know, to <laughs> check everybody who leaves, try to leave town. Um, the guys are reconnoitering, but, uh, well, Tony's staggering out of the Riviera, and he's just on the on the ground. <laughs> you know, they're mildly sort of, uh, you know, not thrilled about it, but uh, which one is it? It's either Danny or Jimmy says, well, now, now, no, it's okay. Tony's just another guy that died in the street. No sweat. <laughs> And yeah, so this is where Josh gets to go around and get all the money out of the trash. Yeah, and do his, his truck. Sing his reprise of EO11. Yeah, his reprise of what, Joseph? EO11. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so yeah, there's these roadblocks and... Uh, oh, what is the deal with this news reporter's beard? The guy that's... Oh yeah, doing the, the interview. It's like it's like some weird like Van Dyke thing. I don't know what. Yeah, that but is. like put on with spirit gum. It just looks like. Yeah, it just seemed really out of place. But yeah, well, Josh went through the roadblock and it's just like, oh, you know, like just acting like he's. Can I go through? And the, the guards just like get this garbage truck out of here. <laughs> okay, no problem. 
Spiros all Spiros is all happy back at his pool. Yeah, so that was it. That was the heist. Well, yeah. So, but but what um, Josh does is so he he actually dumps the garbage into the dump, finds the bags, hides it in another garbage can mm -hmm. yeah. in that little cave uh, car. I don't know something like that. It's, yeah. So all the uh, casino owners meet who are, I mean, they're just all mafia guys, clearly. Yeah. <laughs> there's that one actor. He's, he's anytime there's a mob boss on television. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he's got that voice like this. I don't know what his name is, but uh, Duke comes in to meet with the casino owners. He says he's going to get their money back for them. For how much? He wants 30% yeah and you know you drive a hard deal mr romero but uh, all right um <laughs> but so if they don't get their money back there's no deal at all so all right and we're all happy with that um report comes through on bergdorf they they know his name they're gonna contact his wife they don't know that he was involved yet so now there's kind of some you know like santos is trying to yeah like he puts two and two like it, a lot of just hotel room scenes where like he's putting together taking calls yeah there's a lot of calls coming through yeah and that's is that really were you from the era where if you want to talk to the operator you would click the button like that no that's never worked for anyone <laughs> that i've ever known i that that click clicking thing i i just don't know i maybe at some time at some point in history that worked or you know caused something to happen but <laughs> i wasn't around for it <laughs> hello hello click 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 hello <laughs> these things keep getting revealed to to duke and uh, yeah and so he finds out that tony was one of the 82nd airborne guys uh-huh so he's like hmm uh he goes off and pays he goes and pays off the undertaker for uh mm -hmm. tony's body he's anybody who comes in showing interest yeah in this body uh i want you to let me know right away um and also mom reveals to duke that jimmy's in town yeah and that adele who we don't know why she's her friend had <laughs> had revealed that several of the 82nd airborne guys are in town so now <laughs> we have the joker laugh because he's now he's finally put it together yes and so he pays danny and uh sam a visit mm -hmm. and boy is he tall when he comes in so he makes them a deal and what is that 50 percent so basically he's going to double cross the casino owners uh danny or no sam thinks that jimmy must have sold them out because duke mm -hmm. knows about this uh -huh. but danny puts him you know sets him straight he's like well if jimmy knew about this he would have already gotten the money and split it with duke like yeah i guess you're right sam so mom is confronting jimmy calling him a maniac a fool and a revealing everything that she knows uh yeah <laughs> And she kind of makes it all about her. How could you do this to me? Of course. Because he's, you know, he's a mama's boy. So he goes over to see the boys because she yeah. tipped him off. Um, and they, you know, they kind of go, oh, don't worry. You know, uh, we know you didn't blow the whistle. This one thought you did, but I set him straight. Sam's got an idea. So where are we next? Yeah, how do you smuggle the money out of Las Vegas? Easy solution. 
blackface. <laughs> Cringy. <laughs> yeah, so we got they're all blacking their faces and they've got some dumb jokes about uh hey Josh, how do you get this off your face? Oh well usually I use a oh hey you're pulling my you know yeah his idea is that they're going to go to the church where tony's coffin is and uh they lift this rigor mortis um oh yeah like uh, dummy <laughs> well it's all in silhouette so um, they lift it out of the coffin put all the money in there under the the body and put it back on there yeah, it must have been an awfully big bills because uh, it doesn't seem to take up much space at all. First, no. those several small bags, and now you can just get the, the body right back in there. But Josh does a good deed, keeps the 10 grand yeah. aside for the widow and kid. Uh, okay, this is an aside, but it's related. Do you mm -hmm. know, okay, they interchangeably use casket and coffin in this do you know the difference between a casket and a coffin no i do not okay i will tell you and our um listeners oh and and sorry mr my friend the euphonium wake playing... up wake up <laughs> i'm sorry my friend the euphonium playing funeral director that i did not know this but i'm about to find out so a coffin is uh it's tapered the sides are tapered in so like Dracula has a coffin. Oh, it's and a Barnabas good. Collins. <laughs> yeah, a casket is just rectangular. So like modern day funeral directors, not undertakers, because <laughs> they're not called that anymore. Oh, did I say undertaker? I did, yeah. oh yeah. no. I'm really in the doghouse. <laughs> I mean, at least mortician. <laughs> I'm six feet under is what I am. <laughs> right. Ooh, good series though. <laughs> Yeah, modern day funeral directors would refer to them as caskets. Thank you for for intervening on my behalf <laughs> on this subject because now I can hold my head up <laughs> with my friends once again, I hope. So yeah, the next day, um Corneal calls from the payphone and says, well, the widow's here, and uh, I think she's going to ship the body out on the 1140 train. To San Francisco. Yep, to that's San Fran. Mm -hmm. yeah. But this funeral director, this meddling, meddling <laughs> this funeral director, <laughs> I said it right. Um, well, madam, are you a woman of means? I thought not, because I think you might want to... Uh, have a legionnaire's funeral right here in Las Vegas. So things are not going how they expected. So and he got those legionnaires there like that. Oh yeah, it was yeah immediately. So they're they're over at the chapel. All the guys, all eleven guys now, or no ten. I guess <laughs> one of them is there already. Well, yeah, they're all there. Sorry, yeah, they're all there. At least for a minute, they're all there. Um, <laughs> yes. So they're. All, yeah, they're all in the chapel but um yeah the duke is really closing in because somebody dropped that ten thousand dollar money band yeah right next to the coffin well it was dark you know what are you gonna do he's going in there you know sitting behind them to sort of you know i think doesn't he flash the band at them to show them the jig yeah. is up yep 
but during the the uh, Psalm of David, <laughs> Psalm twenty three, you know, Lord is my shepherd. Yeah, we've there's a there's a rather loud noise going on. I know. I'm the... like, could somebody move that boom mic? <laughs> That's what I was thinking. <laughs> so they sent. They do a what's that noise? Pass it on. What's that noise? Pass it on. <laughs> what's that noise? Pass it on. All the way down the line to a guy. Is he one of the funeral directors? I don't know. He's but... a staff. he's staff. He's stuff. He says, the deceased is being cremated. <sighs> I think the one that's most upset about it is uh, Cesar Romero. He just goes, oh, like his face just changes, you know. Yeah. And we're walking out dejectedly out of the chapel to the strains of... <laughs> yeah, but it's a slow, very, very slow <laughs> this time. Yeah. <laughs> And as they're walking out of the chapel, they show each as they walk along, they show each one's uh, name and, you know, who yeah, they but played. It's, like, it's interesting as like Frank Sinatra played Danny Ocean. Yeah. You know, played. They use the word played. Yeah, they do. I don't know why. Yeah. I guess they're players. They're players. And <laughs> scene. There we are. I mean... So what's gonna happen? <laughs> will the will the story get resurrected um, forty one years later? <laughs> Tune in next time for the next episode of Remake Remake. Remake, shmee, make. <laughs>